return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Back there. Amen. Welcome. Good to have you here. Good to have you join us at the Tabernacle today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's take our Bibles just for a minute. Uh, Stand up with me. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Welcome those that would join us also on Facebook as well. From here, other places. Some of you are at home. Some of you are in the United States. Some of you are in other countries. But we just bless you in the name of Jesus. We've talked about how God plans, how he's got tremendous plans for everybody. Talked about how there can be hindrances to those plans from the enemy or even our own procrastination, you know, that can just thwart the things of God in our lives. We've talked about, talked about how we need to change. Amen. All of us need to keep changing. Uh, your, your salvation is complete when you die. When you go to heaven, well, then it's over, all right? But in the meantime... We're all in a process of change. Now, today I want to talk about just hunger. Hunger affects everybody. Thank you, Lowell. Thank you, True. The rest of you are pointing, well, it doesn't affect me. But No, hunger affects everybody. Hunger, hunger is something that drives our lives. A lot of people key in on, on their lives are geared according to their hunger patterns. They're going to eat in the morning, they're going to eat at noon, they're going to eat at night, maybe eat before bed, and so on and so forth, you know. Hunger. Hunger drives people. Hunger, hunger is a very powerful force. If the children of Israel would have had their way, they would have gone back to Egypt because of hunger. They said, well, it's better. We had leeks and onions and garlics back in Egypt. Better that we were there. Out of their hunger, they would have went back to slavery. They would have went back to bondage. In our lives, every day, we have choices about what we can eat. Now, the thing is, we all eat, right? Everybody eats, and thank God, he gave us a digestive system. He gave us taste taste buds. Isn't taste buds wonderful? Hallelujah. Wow. Sense of smell, taste, foods, try something different. How many ever like try something different? A lot of you do. That's good. Trying something different that maybe you've never had before. And the thing is, you can acquire taste for things. Now, have you ever been really hungry before and just sat down and just ate potato chips? And it really wasn't, didn't feel you, did it? You know, you can you eat a whole bag of potato chips. whole bag is like, I'm still hungry, you know. 
So we can fill up on things that we may we like to taste, but it doesn't satisfy your inner hunger or your appetite, and you're still hungry. So we have things all around us that we like to eat, but we have to also understand the importance of eating right. Hunger is so big that when the pandemic first started, you know, so the story, there were shortages of some foods. Because people made sure, I'm not going to go hungry. So they went out and bought foods, maybe a lot of food of one thing or another. And then other people went to the store like, well, it's gone. And they bought or purchased one out of fear. The second thing was thinking in advance, hunger driving their lives. Now, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 or 6, that blessed is the man that hungers and thirsts for righteousness. So, uh, this is not the right word. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Let's open up to our Bibles, all right? Matthew 5, 6. So, when Jesus was talking here, and he said, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. All right? Now, notice what he's saying is you're hungry and thirsting. Now, this is spiritually, but you're hungry and you're thirsting after righteousness. They shall be filled. Now, another word for blessed means they're happy, they're satisfied. It's a hunger for Jesus. It's a hunger for the Bible. It's a hunger even when it says they shall be filled. In other words, there's, there's change. When you hunger, there's going to be changes. When you hunger in the right way, there's going to be changes. All right? Changes in our in our life, so it's good to hungry to be hungry for the things of God because hunger will change your actions. Amen. We've been at various places in the world where people will sometimes walk a long ways, many many hours, walk just to get to a service, or people have made the effort to take uh, a train, bus, and walking to get to a meeting. And the reason they did that was out of hunger. They made tremendous effort to be someplace to hear the word of God or to get prayer. A lot of cases when we're places, people, especially in India, people will not leave until they have prayer, until they have hands laid on them. Even if they're not sick, they want hands laid on them. They want a blessing. They want, they want prayer. Lowell remembers that, that first meeting uh, first day that we had and so forth, and we're praying for people, and people would go for prayer to all of us. And, and then we kind of finished our praying, and Lowell is still praying, and there's a long line behind him. <laughs> and and uh, so I went over and I whispered to Lowell, and I just said, you're going to have to pray shorter <laughs> if we're going to get out of here. And uh, just just working with the situation. It was just the blessing of the Lord to pray for people. People were hungry. You don't find that often in America. Occasionally, if there's a great revival or something, we were down at Pensacola once where uh, people would start standing in line for an evening meeting. They'd start standing in line at noon to get a seat for that evening service. And so they would stand outside in the Florida sun and wait to get a seat for the service. What is that? That's hunger. That's desiring something from the Lord. It's desiring change. It's desiring for something good to happen in their lives. Amen? 
Those are good things. How we channel our hunger is important because we're all going to eat something. And we all eat something in the natural, good or bad. We're all eating something in the spirit as well, small s. Small s and big s. We're all eating something there as well to try to satisfy our inner man. So some people, some, there's people that can't miss uh, a TV show or a sitcom because they want, they hunger for that. There's some people that are glued to YouTubes because they hunger for that. So what you hunger for is what you're going to be like. What you eat, you're going to be a product of your eating. You're going to be a product of your eating in the natural. You're going to be a product of your eating in the spiritual. We can either be God-conscious or self-conscious. We can be thinking about the Holy Spirit and Jesus and sensitive to be used, or we can be so carnal that we're of no use whatsoever. So let's go to the scripture again in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. So Jesus departs. He goes up to a mountain and he sits down in the mountain. So when they call it a mountain, let's just say a high hill, all right? So he goes and he sits down there, and then there's great multitudes that come to Jesus, having with them the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed, and many others, and they laid them down at Jesus' feet and healed them. Now think about this just for a second. All the effort, first of all, he didn't, he didn't go to the city Colosseum. He didn't go to a place that was easily accessible. He didn't go to a place that was convenient. He goes up into a high, so he's going out of town, he's to a high hill, mountain, and it took great effort to get to Jesus. So now we have to think about this. We have the benefit, the luxurious benefit, living the way we live today, convenience of transportation, that even if you don't feel well, even if you can't move, you can have transportation to get you to a location. But here we have people that are blind and they're walking. So you can imagine you're going up a hill. Now this isn't like, this isn't like, hey, we got a road up this hill. No, we're walking up a hill. So we have a, uh, just a hill, a rocky place. How many of you ever hiked before? How many of you hiked before, right? How many have hiked in the Black Hills? Hey, how many of you ever been up to Black Elk Peak? That was the Harney Peak. How many have been up to that? All right. That's a great hike. All right. Now, this wasn't as long, I don't think. But nevertheless, you've got these people, and they're coming to Jesus. And notice, it says they're, they're the lame, so they can't, they can't walk. So someone has to help them. They're, they're people that are blind. They can't see. So somebody has to help them. Mute. They can't talk. So someone has to help them. They're maimed, you know, in one way or another. So somebody has to help them. And then it says many others. So all these people, the effort that it take, that it took to get up that mountain to see Jesus was enormous. You don't have, you don't have, uh, you know, it's not handicapped accessible. You don't have porta potties. You don't have a place, stop off place, you know, where it's, where you can just uh, get under a tree or whatever like that. It's very, very difficult to get there. It's uncomfortable. But why did the people go to see Jesus? They had needs, didn't they? Right? They had needs. But that was a hunger to get an answer. It was a hope that their life could change. 
And so they were making the effort. Think about, think about the families that says, you're going to go where? You're going you're gonna to bring Uncle Joe where? You're going to go out of town, what, four or five kilometers? You're going to go up that hill? Are you kidding? No, no, Jesus is up there. So it could have been lots of criticism. Lots of people shaking their head like, you don't have any idea what you're doing. And yet they go out of town, they go up this hill, and I, I think it's very interesting that when they, they get to Jesus, they laid them down at Jesus' feet. Another version just says they cast them down. All right. Now think about this, they have to stand in line. There's a lot of people, so, so we're standing in line, and, and undoubtedly, you know, if someone can't, can't stand long, now they're laying down until the line moves. Okay, let's, let's get Jeff, let's move 10 more feet here. Okay, now let's lay down again. You can have people say, hey, my knee's a lot bigger than yours. You got a sore knee. Hey, I don't have a leg. I need help here. So you have a lot of things. They, they bring him to Jesus at Jesus' feet. Now you have lots of people, many people up there. Notice what it says, he healed them. So as people were going into the line one way, they were coming out another way. So we don't know all the specifics of the knees, but we know they were blamed, blind, mute, maimed, all that. And so they're going in one way and they're coming out another way. So they're, they're desperate to see Jesus. They get to the end of the day and the, and the line hasn't ended. And, and so I, I assume things stop for the evening. And so what do they do? Well, they had to camp out. Now you're under the stars. Did they plan that, oh, we're going to be out here for days. Let's, let's uh, bring our sleeping bags. Did you bring a tent? And uh, No, no, no. Now they're just outside. Now they're, now they're just camped out in, into the elements, all right? They're camped out. They come to a place where they don't have any food. There's no food. And they're camped out. And they're, they're in a place where it's like all they have is Jesus. They're desperate. They're that they're that desperate, they want to get to Jesus. And once they get with Jesus, they want to stay with Jesus. So you don't find people, they're up and say, hey, see you later, we got our answer, we're going back to town. No, they're all out there yet. They're all out there. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed were made whole, the lame were walking, the blind were seen, and they glorified the God of Israel. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what a meeting. Wow. So you have all these people just, and it's one by one. Jesus is one guy. And he's laying hands on people and he's praying for people. And I, I don't think he prayed long. Lots of times it was just a, a touch or a word, but boom, things were happening. I would suspect when people were healed that they did some rejoicing. Praising God, you know, not, not in a hurry. Oh, let's get the next one. Now hurry up. We've got to get this meeting over. No, no, they're just praising God. So people are out there. You've got to understand, for a long time, it took a lot of effort to get to be with Jesus. Let's look at verse 32. So once they got there, it says, Jesus called his disciples. It says, I have compassion on the multitude because they've continued with me three days. They have nothing to eat. So think about this. The effort to get there, now the effort to stay there. And their intentions were to do what? They were just staying around Jesus. 
They, they didn't, they didn't have a, a, any other agenda other than to be around Jesus, to be with Jesus. So the effort to get there is one effort to stay there. Now they're healed. Now they're rejoicing. I don't know if people were playing and they were dancing at night or whatever. Day two goes by, day three comes, and they're just content. They're just content to stay there. Nothing to eat, no food, no porta-potties, no big campground, no campers, no conveniences of life. So what happened is their hunger for the spiritual food overrode their hunger for the necessities of life. Their hunger for Jesus was greater than their flesh. Their spiritual hunger dominated their flesh. So we have to understand, sometimes when we think, wow, we've been at a meeting here, been at a meeting there, and I'm, I'm not saying that our meetings are all like Jesus, and I'm not saying that, but I do have to say that you have to hunger. You're going to get for what you hunger for. If the people would have stayed in town and said, you know, if it's God's will for me to be healed, he'll come down my street. Some people have that attitude. And, and of course, you know the story. It's probably not going to happen. They put forth effort to see God do something, to be desperate. Turn to your neighbor and say, good to be desperate. Now, desperate for the right things, amen? Desperate for the Word of God. Desperate for Jesus. When we fast, there's a scripture. So let's see. Let me just read this here. So they continued three days. They had nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry, lest they faint in the way. So they all ate. So they, Jesus, they fed them. Remember, they broke the bread. They ate, they were filled. They took up large, seven large baskets full of fragments. Those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. So think of the thousands of people that are on this hillside. Thousands of people that are on this hillside for three days. Children, moms, grandmas, grandpas, men, all there. Now, three days. Their intent was not to, hey, we hold out. He's going to feed us at 3 o'clock. We've got a banquet coming up at 3 o'clock. had no idea that. Their intent was to stay with Jesus. Lord, remember, we're on the hillside of India, and all the people with the colored colorful gowns and so forth. It was kind of like the Sermon on the Mount. There was no road to get there. And we finally got to this place. And, and there were people, mostly Christians, but some Hindus as well. And, and we prayed for people. For a, we preached, but then prayed for a long time. And then we ate. Oh, we ate in the pastor's house with six million flies and uh, uh, so on stuff. And uh, it, was, it was they cleared the table of the flies so we could see the food. And we ate the food. We blessed the food. None of us got sick. And we ate. And then as people were leaving, and I said, well, look at the people. Are, everybody walked, of course, but they walked in groups. And I, was, I actually have video of people walking away in groups. And, and the pastor said, well, they have to walk in groups because there's tigers. And so if you, if you walk by yourself, you're going to get picked off. You know, the tiger's gonna, you're going to have tiger lunch. And so you walk in groups so the tigers won't attack groups. And they walked for hours to get back to their homes back in the hills and the mountains. And we were in the hills. We were, as we prayed, you know, water buffalo come by us. Like, you know, I looked over and thought, oh, okay, you know. And animals and stuff. 
People were hungry. There were tremendous things happen. We like it. We like it when God kind of shows up on our timing. Come on, I prayed. Convenient for me. I really haven't, you know, I haven't suffered at all or paid any big price. We just want it in our timing. But I do believe hunger is a critical thing that brings change in our lives. And if I'm hungry, then I'm going to spend time with Jesus. If I'm hungry, I'm going to be in his word. So, quickly, Matthew 17 a second. So, Jesus just said this. Because of your unbelief, I say to you, if you'd have faith as a seed of mustard seed, you'd say to this mountain, move here, it'll move, nothing it will be impossible for you. This kind does not go up except by prayer and fasting. And they were saying, why couldn't we do this? Now, people, people look at prayer and fasting as like, well, it's almost like mechanical. To, okay, let's see, the next thing is we'll just fast, and if we, we fast, so there God's got to answer. I didn't eat for a day. A totally the wrong attitude and perspective. Fasting means I'm not going to partake of maybe my natural food or something that I was doing so that I have time with Jesus, more time with Jesus and less on the natural. Fasting. What happens in fasting? You should draw close to the Lord. The focus of fasting is not eating. Or someone says, I'm going to fast uh, Facebook or I'm going to fast these movies or whatever. Oh, fine, that's fine. That's not the focus. The focus then is Jesus. You could fast till the cows come home, not going to do you any good. The point is to be with Jesus. The point is to be in the Word. The point is to be in worship and praise. The point is to be in His presence. Because that is where there's strength. This is what Jesus did. And so he's looking at the disciples. He says, you've got to understand, there's another walk in your relationship you've got to catch here. So people look at, look at something like, okay, they fasted like they deprived themselves. And maybe somebody did of something in the natural, but you have to feast in the supernatural. Then there's power. See, if you get with someone who's... Years ago, we had someone come to the church. They stayed at our house. And they talked about John 15, abiding in the vine. Very simple things, abiding in the vine, living in Jesus, so on and so forth. Except I heard them in my house. And I heard them praising God, speaking the word for hours and hours and hours and hours, one day, two days, so forth. And so then this person gets up and he talks about abiding in the vine. And all of a sudden, boom, there's some weight here. Because what have they been doing? They've just been soaking, abiding in Jesus. Power. There's something happened when we're connected to the power source. We can be around the power source. A lot of people were around Jesus but never connected. We have power all around this room, outlets and so forth, but you have to connect with the power if you're going to run something that needs power. So John chapter 6 then... John chapter 6, I think most of us, well, we've all smelled the fragrance of fresh baked bread, mm. and just cooking in general. But Jesus said, this, the bread of God is he that comes down from heaven, gives us life to the world. And they said, Lord, give us this bread. We always want this bread. And Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. 
So Jesus is like this fresh bread. And if we, we have this fresh bread, see, we have options. Like my counter, I got counter, things on my counter. If I want something really good and it's out there, then that's what you gravitate to. But if you don't have something good, you'll gravitate to junk food. So Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. If you come to me, you're not going to hunger for the world. You're not going to thirst for the things of the world. Because why? Because you're filled up on me. See, you're here today. God bless you for being here today. Some are joining us on Facebook Live and so forth. But the more you spend time in the presence of God, the more you're attracted to that. You're you're attracted to what you're around. So if I'm in the presence of God, you enjoy the presence of God and so forth. It's wonderful. But then if you get out in the world, you recognize things right away. Like, oh, I'm not going to have anything to do with that. You recognize worldly things. Being in his presence, there's no substitute for it. We come here, we worship and so forth. And and this is just a tiny bit of our day or our week, but it's a daily walk with Jesus. It's a daily walk with Jesus. So Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. And and if you you feast on me, you smell that bread, you feast on me, you're not going to want the things of the world. Verse 35 that Jesus said, if you fill up, so if you fill up on Jesus, you won't have the other hunger. You get rid of the hunger. If I'm full, if you eat good food and you're full, and then some offers you something junky, no, no, no thanks. No thanks. But I have a grandson who wants to eat well because, because he's an athlete. So when he left one day, came over to the house for noon lunch, he left one day and I offered him a piece of chocolate. He said, no, no thanks. I said, what? You're a teenager. <laughs> no, he's not putting that in his system. He doesn't want it. He already ate something good, but he didn't want something else. If you fill up on Jesus, see, if I'm fill, full, then it doesn't leave room for all the other stuff. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 talks about blind Bartimaeus. So Jesus, notice Jesus went into Jericho. Now he's coming out of Jericho. So he goes in, passing blind Bartimaeus, I would guess. Now he's coming out of Jericho. Now when Bartimaeus hears the entourage coming by him, he's blind, cannot see. But, he, but he's, then, he's sitting by the roadside begging there, city gate. He hears that it was Jesus and he begins to cry out saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus goes into Jericho, things happen, Bartimaeus hears about Jesus, wow, it's amazing, this guy. But he has no one to lead him into Jericho, we don't know, don't know how long Jesus was into Jericho, might have been just for that day. But now he hears it as Jesus. I think Bartimaeus is out there like, you know, all he's known is the world, blindness, he's, he's, he's begging, he's poor, people have to help him. People have to cook for him. People have to take care of his basic needs. He hears it as Jesus, and he's hungry for change. He's hungry for something different in a good way. I think he smells the bread of life. All he smelled before was death. Folks, there's a lot of people in the world, just that's all they're smelling is death. You know, we had had someone just last week kill themselves. 
who was tremendously talented, all kinds of degrees, law degree, beauty things, all that, kill themselves. Why does that happen? Things on the inside starve to death. We have to hunt. We're going to feed ourselves something. You can feed yourself fear if you want. When people, the pandemic started, that's what a lot of people did. Fed themselves fear. People still feed themselves with fear. Bad thing to do. You can feed on all the other issues of the world. Bad thing to do. Feed yourself on YouTube. Bad thing to do. Or you can feed yourself on Jesus, who is the bread of life. Bartimaeus, all he's tasted is death. All he knows is death. But he wants change. Sometimes in life, folks, you've got to get maybe desperate enough, frustrated enough to say, I don't want to be here. I don't want to sit here anymore in this condition. I don't want to stay where I'm at another year. I want to change. When it comes to the next year, I don't want the same old problems. When it comes to the next year, I don't want the same old issues. I want to change. When does that begin? Today. Now. Jesus is walking out of the city. Jesus had already passed him. But his desire for change overwhelmed the desire to stay where he was at. And he cries out to Jesus, right? Begins to cry out. When he heard that it was Jesus, powerful, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I love that. So he's recognizing who Jesus is. Smell the bread of life. He cries out. Amen. Basically, he's saying, I want, I want that life. Let's go to the next verses there. So then many notice the disciples. They warned him to be quiet. So he's making a scene. He can't, he, he can't run to Jesus because he can't see. But he's making a scene and the warned another Version says the disciples shushed him up. You know, that's big spiritual helpers, huh? So they warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. Why? It was his opportunity. He was hungry for change. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And notice what it says. Jesus stood still. I think there's a place where Jesus, I believe the Holy Spirit's always moving. I don't It's a question like, oh, Lord, move. No, he's always moving. Move me. <laughs> right? Move me into your presence, which means I have to move to where he's at, which involves the Bible. Involves our worship and praise and thanksgiving. What we speak in our everyday lives, we're cultivating an atmosphere. Your words create an atmosphere. All right. So, so, so he's moving to Jesus. Jesus stops. I think he wants to stop all the time in our lives. I think, I think when we're talking to him and, and we're listening to him, I think he loves it when we just want to listen. Stand still. So Jesus stood still. He commanded, go get the guy. Now the disciples, of course, turn around. Oh, oh, we just warned him before. Okay, now he wants to see you. Come on. Now they're, now they're going to be the helpers. So they called the blind man. And said, be of good cheer. We just, of course, shushed you, warned you, all that. Be, hey, be of good cheer. Rise. He's calling you. Now, let us help you. Aren't you the guys that are just kind of chewing me out here? So, so Jesus calls him. Let's go to the next verses. So he gets up. He gets up off his mat. And he goes to Jesus. He throws aside his garment. And, and this is important. He's expecting something. 
Listen, if I'm blind, I'm not going to throw things too far. Because you know where things are at. I know it's six paces this way, I've got this. And it's five paces back this way, and I've got this. I know this is where my robe's at. I know this is where that's at. Because you just know. But he throws it away. throws it aside. His garment. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And I like this line. Now, I would copy that. Because you know what? When I meet people all over, I can meet them in a store. We're talking or something. And I can just say, what do you want me to pray for? I'll ask them. What do you want me to pray for? Many people just pray assuming, well, I, I just hear from God and I just pray. You know, a lot of people get in prayer lines, they just pray in the Spirit. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you pray specifically? Why wouldn't you pray for what the specific need is? Sometimes people say, well, the Spirit knows. I know the Spirit knows, but that sort of is that person. So just ask them, <laughs> what do you want prayer for? Why do we do that? Because Jesus did that. He said, what do you want? I mean, you, you could have assumed, the guy could have assumed, you know, I need a new garment. I need a new mat. I got sores on my body or something from sitting so long. I need this. I need some money. What do you want? He was specific. Write down, be specific. If you're not specific, you never know if you hit a target. It's like saying, Lord, bless me. That's pretty broad. <laughs> you got breath, you're blessed. So you, so you have to be specific. What do you want? And the man said to him, Rabbi, I want to receive my sight. So he was specific. He was hungry. He heard about Jesus, the bread of life. It motivated a change. It was a chance. Call it a gamble. But he's just saying, I'm going to do my best to see something happen. And Jesus said, all right. All right. Okay. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Immediately, he received his sight. And notice, he followed Jesus on the road out of Jericho. So he left this past behind, changed for hunger, motivated him for this change. He became this new man for the glory of God. Hunger is going to grow according to what you're around. Right? So whatever you smell in the natural, whatever you're around, that's what you're going to be gravitated to to eat. But it's not always the right thing to eat. Sometimes it's better to just stay hungry for a while until I can eat something better. Okay? Right? Amen? Just to say, uh, no thanks. No thanks. I, I don't need that. So hunger is going to grow according to what's, what you're around. Have you ever been to a ball game and you're kind of hungry and you smell popcorn? It's like, boy, that smells good. And all of a sudden you want popcorn. You know, things, smells that come. You can smell, smell some delicious food or spices. You think, oh, smells good. Curry smells good. You smell things and, mmm, now I'm hungry. Might not be hungry before at all. And all of a sudden, when you smell the natural food, now you're hungry. The same thing spiritually. If you get yourself around Jesus, you'll grow in your hunger for Jesus. It's never like I get enough, enough of Jesus. I mean, I... I you know what I mean? I get enough, but you always want more. Because why? He's so good. So, so Thanksgiving meal, you know, of course, it's started early in the morning. By the time it gets to one o'clock, 
People are there with their forks and knife. When's it ready? When's it ready? They're ready to do what? They're ready to eat. Ready to go for it. Luke 10, verse 38. Jesus was invited to a house by Martha. So it's customary. You come into a house. It would be customary to fix something to eat for your guest. So Martha invites Jesus into her house. I want you to see that. And she had a sister, Mary. And Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now, so Martha invites Jesus. So I suspect she's cooking. Jesus sits down. She's cooking. Maybe she gave him some water or something like that. She's cooking. She's making the dinner and so forth. She's cooking the physical food. But in the meantime, in the meantime, Mary is sitting down with Jesus and they're just talking. Now, there's priorities, times in life. There's a time to eat in the natural, or again, right? But there's time to eat in the supernatural. Time to, of course, have natural food. Jesus wasn't against that. He wasn't against what Martha was doing. It's just that there's a time, a kairos moment, that right now, you know, Martha was hungry for the natural. Mary's hungry for the supernatural. Jesus starts talking. Mary starts listening. I don't, we have times, you know, people say, well, I don't have a lot of time. Well, then you want to plan time to be with Jesus. Plan it. I plan for blessings all the time. So I get up early. I have my coffee, but I plan to sit in his presence. If you're busy, then you get up earlier. But you want to listen to what he's saying. Mary's listening to Jesus and what Jesus is saying. I don't think Mary's out there. And you know, last week we did this. We had a sewing class. We did all these other things and so forth. We invited the neighbors over and she's talk, talk, yak, 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 yak. I don't think so. Mary's there. She's sitting at Jesus' feet. And notice the word here. She's listening. She's listening to Jesus. Martha's cooking. So I can picture here some clanking pan here, there, fire going and so forth. And, and all of a sudden, stepping out, so, uh, Mary, you could help me here. I, get, I need a little help and so forth. And, oh, she's listening. She's, okay, she's back busy. And then Jesus finally, you go to the next verses there. And finally, it comes around where Martha's distracted. Martha was distracted with much serving. Now, here's a word. It wasn't like what she was doing was wrong. But, folks, we have to fill up on the spiritual side. All of us have things we do, Right? People nowadays, kids have sports all the time. doesn't mean the sports are bad, but you better plan and have priorities. Otherwise, you can be so distracted, you never have time with Jesus. So she's distracted with serving. The serving's a good thing. And she approached Jesus and said, Don't you care that my sister's left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. So she goes right to the top. Addresses Jesus, that she, they're friends with Jesus. They love Jesus. Jesus loves them. They're, they're, you know, friends that way. Say, hey, hey, tell my sister to get in here and start doing some work. Expecting that Jesus is going to agree with her. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, here, you're worried. You're troubled about many things. One thing is needed. And this is very important. In life, we have lots of things going on. One thing, one thing is needed, and that's to be with Jesus. 
Mary's chosen that one thing, which will not be taken away from her. Now, you can eat food, and in four hours or five hours, you're going to be hungry again. But you can sit and listen to Jesus, and all of a sudden, something's ministering to your spirit man that will not be taken away from you, that you can hold on to, that gives you sustenance for your spiritual bones. So Mary was fasting, in a sense, the natural, but she was getting the real food or the bread of life that Jesus had offered. I just want to say something. I think Jesus is talking all the time. A lot of people say, I just don't hear the Lord. I don't hear the Lord. Well, I do. I think he's talking all the time. I don't think he's... And I, Listen, folks, I don't think he's talking like, I'm going to tell you what's going on in the world today. You know why he's not saying that? Because he didn't say it then. He didn't address the world of the day. He wasn't addressing the occupation by the Roman forces, the abuses of the Roman forces, the heavy taxations, the crime, and all the things that were happening. He never touched on those, ever. He addressed the issues that dealt with people. What's he going to talk to you about? Probably you. Not many people say, he could say yikes, I guess, rather than amen, but yeah, he's going to talk about you. When I sit down with Jesus, he talks to me about me. What is he going to tell me? There's things he wants to change. He thinks he wants me to hear about my life and what he wants me to do personal ways. Hey, get this. He can talk to me about being a better husband. Well, that doesn't sound so spiritual. You better believe it's spiritual. You don't want to mess in your house, right? Or do you? (laughs) No, he'll talk to me about things that deal with the natural things. He'll talk to me about being a good, good grandfather. I'm just listening. And so the Lord says, hey, text this grandchild. Text him this. And Oh, that's a good thing. You know, why didn't I think of that? Well, it came from heaven, you know, so I text him. So, so what he's talking to, to Martha and Mary, Mary got, Mary got something out of this. It's not going to be taken away from her. Meanwhile, Martha is worried and troubled and all about a lot of things. So in the world today, I can look at people who've really been with Jesus. Why? Because they're people that are very, very peaceful. And then I look at Christians. Otherwise, they're off on this tangent, that tangent, that's troubled about many things. Haven't been with Jesus. Because you cannot be with Jesus and not be peaceful. He is the Prince of Peace. So he's going to talk to us about things, about life. What is life? Your home, your family, your kids, your job. Kind of like novel things. Might talk to you and say, do you know that person you work with? They have this need. I want you to be friendly to them and maybe ask them this question. We were building a house and we'd meet people and say, hey, I really like that. So how are things? Oh, we're fine, we're fine. Can we pray for you? I can't tell you how many people whipped off a hat and so forth, dirty and all that, bowed their heads, and we prayed for them, laid hands on them, prayed for them. And they were like, thank you. You know, we didn't tell them we were pastors. Didn't say anything at all about that. Didn't talk to them about church. Talked to them about Jesus. Jesus brings life. 
Now understand this. Wherever he goes, there's life. You can, you can call any sort of other thing, but if there's worry and trouble, not, he's not there. He's not there. Because where Jesus goes, he brings life. He brings peace. He brings joy. Got to understand that. New Testament, they were even in jails. They had the joy of the Lord. Wow. Pretty amazing, isn't it? So these are the things, these are the things, when you sit down at Jesus' feet, listen. Lord, you've got a word for me. Maybe you don't hear anything. Just start reading. Just start reading. Bible reading schedule, especially New Testament. If you want something, get the old too. You just start reading. Got my schedule. Got notes on it and so forth for years and years, decades now with this. Notes in my Bible. And then what is sometimes it's just one word that he'll give me. Oh, wow. That's good. That's a dinner. (laughs) That one word. It's like a humongous vitamin. And so he'll give us things for us to be life to other people. All right, one more verse. All right, Psalm 34. You know, taste and see that the Lord is good. So, two more verses. Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed is the man who runs to him. King James says, taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Taste, taste, taste. So we can talk about this, and then we can do it, right? So we could, we could talk about it and say, oh, that's really good. Yeah, Martha shouldn't have done that. But then if we go our way and be a Martha, not good. But if we go our way and be a Mary, to sit down, like we emphasize Bible reading and so forth, then something good's going to happen in our lives. So, so we open our mouth, mm, this is good. This is really good, Lord. Open your eyes to see and so forth. And then we become like 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Then we come to a place where, where we give people a taste of Jesus. We are open letters. So, so we become his ambassadors. We become the fragrance of Jesus Christ to this world. For when we're in Christ, led with him and so forth, God uses us to make knowledge of Christ uh, to spread everywhere like a sweet fragrance. So God uses us like a sweet fragrance. Call it cologne, but we're talking about hunger, so let's call it something sweet smell like food. <laughs> but you're a fragrance to other people. You could be a fragrance of negativity, judgmentalism, and so forth, or we could be a fragrance of life. I believe that the disciples became a fragrance of life. Even when they were persecuted, we were a fragrance of life. Never condemning, never judgmental. They took the same message of Jesus. They never pointed fingers at, at Pilate or Herod and the world and, and the Roman Empire and all the things like that. Never did that. I think they were a fragrance of life. They just kept talking about Jesus. There are people everywhere. So he uses us to make the knowledge about Christ spread everywhere like a sweet fragrance. We are like a sweet-smelling incense offered by, God to, uh, by Christ to God, which spreads among those who are being saved and those who are being lost. So people around us, people around us are going to see two things. One, people are drawn. Two, people are like, oh, wow, I don't want that. Before I was saved, I saw someone witnessing on the street. And I walked, I, I saw them on a the sidewalk. I walked across the street, the other side of the street, on the, then past that person so that I could get to the bar. But I did not want to cross their path. 
I had people witness to me. I thought, no way. You know, people invited me to a Bible study. think, are you kidding me? You know, all I saw was death. But then when my life became desperate and I cried out to God, even in a bar, and all of a sudden my eyes are open and I realize, wait a minute, all I've been eating is death. They're the ones who have life. So I get saved just supernaturally in this bar. I walk away and I become like them. So rather than going to the house party and so forth on the Friday night, I go to a Bible study and all my friends to them was like, Dave died. And he did. I died. But it became a fragrance again. Fragrance to, to, you know, for others, life and those who want it and to others, death. I was close with this. I just thought of this. So my roommates, not my roommates, but people that live next to me in the dorm. So I lived in the dorm because I had a scholarship. It was paid for. So my junior year, I had, I had these guys that live in the room next over from us. And, and uh, I'd been in some classes with them. They were a year behind me. They were pharmacy students and so forth. And I didn't realize, but they just constantly, they mocked me. They just thought I was crazy. They saw I started that year one way. I get saved in another way. And they mocked me and so forth. And so years later, I'm in a pharmacy in Sioux Falls, Lewis Drug. And I'm standing there. I'm picking up something there. My daughter was sick and so forth. And there's somebody back behind the counter, white coat on, cough, cough, just a second. I'm thinking, the only person who called me cough was somebody who knew me in college. And I'm thinking, who would call me that? You know, so I wait a minute. He finishes with the customer. He comes out. Here's this guy that lived the room next to us. And he says, oh, he said, we mocked you. We, we made fun of you. We, all these things. He was telling me, I said, yeah, yeah. And he says, but I got saved. Now he's telling me in the, in the aisle here and there's people around. He said he got saved and all that. And then he says, and I speak in tongues now. And it's like, wow. I just thought, what did he think that is? What did he think that is? Now, let's fast forward another 30 some years. And two months ago, this guy and his wife were having lunch with an Assembly of God pastor in Sioux Falls. And they're telling, to this day now, they're telling this testimony. He's telling this testimony how he got saved and how this guy next to them, you know, his name was Dave Kaufman and how this and that, we got saved, we're serving Jesus and so forth. And, and the Assembly minister said, I, I know Dave Kaufman. <laughs> And, he, and the guy said, that's the guy. They're on fire for Jesus, retired, excited for the Lord to this day. Fragrance. You have a fragrance. Maybe not everybody's going to receive. We understand that. They didn't all follow Jesus. However, you still have a fragrance. A fragrance of life. A fragrance of Jesus that will cause people, even if they're not saved, cause them to be hungry. Like, boy... I don't like what they're doing, but I like, I like the way they are. I, I need what they've got. They're going to look at your life. They're going to read you. They're not going to read the Bible, but they're going to read you. They're going to say, I, I need what they've got. They can get saved. Don, eventually, this guy eventually got saved. Life turned around. Praise God. Still serving the Lord today. You become a fragrance. Turn to your neighbor and say, you smell good. Turn to him and take a deep breath and say, you smell good. You want to smell good, folks? 
here, but I want to smell good at home when I'm with my wife or my family or my grandkids. Amen. You want to smell good. It could be at a game, but I still want to have the fragrance of Jesus. That's what we bring to this world. And that's the one who can bring change for other people. So, Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for hunger. Thank you you're growing in us as we eat, as we feast on you, Jesus. We thank you you're the bread of life, that you do only good. We thank you, Lord, for satisfying our spiritual man on a daily basis. Just like you gave manna on a daily basis, but you give us the word on a daily basis to grow. And we thank you, Jesus. I thank you for using us on a daily basis for your glory. That we would smell, smell good like you do, Jesus. Smell loving, smell gracious. Thank you, Lord, for blessing people here. Blessing people that are watching or listening on Facebook Live. You can share this on Facebook Live with somebody else. But Lord, I thank you for doing this and spreading this, that this through us would spread around the world, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. And if you want prayer for anything, come on up. If you want prayer for anything today, any, in any service, when speakers speak, uh, always feel free to approach the front, ask for prayer for anything. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Roger sharing tonight. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.